0: Very very cool. Well, if if I haven't seen you this year, Happy New Year. We've got visitors from as far away as Nelson this morning. Nice to have you here. Equippers Church Nelson is launching later this year, which is cool. And I'm telling them they should buy curtains like ours for the back of their hall. That's the only tip I can give them about church. Uh, The black curtains at the back uh, really do improve the sound. Anyway, who's excited about Equippers Nelson? I am. I reckon it's a cool city, isn't it? we got some great Nelsonians leading worship this morning, and uh, it's an awesome, you know, God wants to do something great in all the cities of the world, but I reckon as well, God wants to do something great in our heart. You know, in Equipus Church, we, we're really really praying for and believing for and aiming for um, that we are that that sometime we'd see 10,000 people in church on a Sunday morning. Not just here in Wellington, but maybe one day. But but first of all, across the globe that we see 10,000 people out on us on one Sunday. So not necessarily, not just 10,000 people that we know, but all together. And, uh, and, you know, uh, if you talk to Pastor Bruce uh, about that sort of a goal, his goal is that there be 10,000 people praising Jesus. That there'd be 10,000 people where God's at work in their heart. And more than that, you know, the, the whole focus of Equippers is not just that we'd be all gathered together, but that we'd all be sent out in power, you know. And if you've seen, if you've seen the logo, Equippers Church logo, we don't actually have it displayed anywhere. Is it on your t-shirt? No, it just says, can I help? Which is nice. But the logo's got the arrow in it. How many people have seen that? And that's from the, a prophecy from the book of Isaiah that says that uh, that we that we'd be like an arrow in God's hand, and that we'd be a uh, you know God would prepare us with a sharp and strong head and um, all that sort of stuff. And it's an awesome picture. About an arrow, you know, you want how many you know you want a lot of arrows in the quiver if you're going to battle, don't you? You know, and I guess that's what Sunday could be like. We're gathering together, but actually all of us have got a role to play in changing the world. I believe that's true of every single person here today and every single person who's not in church today. uh, they've, They've got a role to play. You've got a role to play changing the world. There's a target for you to hit. Did you know that? There's a target for you to hit. And the target for you is actually different than the target for me. There's a target for my life to hit, and your life doesn't have to look like my life. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to lead a church anywhere. But for me, there's a part of my target. It looks like this. But all of you got a different role, different place in the world where God wants you to impact. Amen? But on Sunday, we gather together, and here's where we meet with God. Here's where we engage with the Word of God. And here, along with small groups and along with serving, is where God prepares us and shapes us so we can make an impact in the world around us. Amen? Very, very good. Well, it's a long weekend. How many people love long weekends? Do you know I was talking to uh, Mike before the service? There's so many great long weekends, uh, you know, across the start of the year. It's awesome. And the thing I like best about a long weekend like this, but I like the Queen's birthday as well, is they can sneak up on you. And I actually quite like the fact that they can sneak up on you. Organized people that can't sneak up on you. But for those of us who live more spontaneously, uh, a long weekend can sneak up on you and you can be like, just back from a holiday. And it's like, oh, it's holiday again. Uh, and uh, some people are having that moment right now. Uh, yes, tomorrow is a public holiday. Uh, and and it's, I like how they can sneak up on you like that, and, uh, and you can get away if you can get away. So obviously, you guys didn't. Uh, but God bless those who did get away for a long weekend and get a, a little bonus break on the back of the holidays or maybe starting their holidays, right? Uh, very good. Well, do you know, um, it's the start of a year, and I thought I'd talk a little bit... <coughs> about sorry about coughing no about goals uh how many people have goals for the year give us a show of hands you've got goals for the year oh good awesome those of you don't have goals here can I encourage you to set some goals um and if you've got goals can I encourage you to put numbers in your goals that's that's my simple tip put numbers in your goals so for instance I have a goal to lose weight now if you know that's a rubbish goal lose weight right you could lose weight through amputation that's not necessarily a great idea right But I've got a goal to lose weight. Uh, But if I put numbers in the goal, it becomes better. So my goal is to get down to 78 kilos before uh, the last weekend in April and the first weekend in May. That'll over weekend, because there's a marathon that I'm running that weekend and I'd like to do it without carrying too much extra baggage, right? So that's a goal. So there's there's numbers, the number of weight, and then numbers at the end, right? Uh, So that's a goal with numbers. And those goals with numbers are are really important because then you you can actually see See them. Like they're visible when you put numbers on them, right? Um, do you know the thing I was thinking about? Um, one of the most important things about goals that I've only heard me say, this is original Jordan Smith. Uh, you know, not a lot's original, all the jokes are my own. Uh, anything m- meaningful and profound, usually not. But the, uh, the one of the things I've only heard me say about goals that I think is really important is that goals, goals are important whether you hit them or not. In fact, goals work even if you don't succeed. So think about a game of soccer or a game of football. If you're from Wellington, everywhere else in the country it's called soccer still. Uh, but a game of football, um, if you have goal, you have a goal. How you know, many you have a goal at one end? This is for those of you who don't know. There's a goal at one end, uh, and at the other end of the field. There's, sorry, sports analogies, but at the other end of the field there's another goal right? And even if no one ever scores a goal, which is what mostly happens in football, right? Even if no one scores a goal, the goal still gives shape to all of the play, right? So your goals you set, don't just set goals that you can achieve this year. Set some goals that you can't possibly achieve in your whole lifetime. That's why you need some goals like that. Some goals that maybe your grandchildren will achieve, because that's going to give shape To the whole play. That's going to give shape to each of your days because you're like, oh, I've got this goal that I want to achieve this year, but I've also got this eternal future that I'm wanting to set up. Uh, You know, for me as a leader, one of my goals is that I'd be part of leading a Christ centered movement for change that impacts this, this generation and the next two right? So that gives shape to my play. When I prepare a sermon, I'm not just thinking, well, this Sunday morning. I'm thinking, yeah, we want to have a good sermon this Sunday morning, or at least reasonable. I mainly aim for reasonable, right? But actually, I want something to happen in Luca's heart that impacts the life of his children, not just the kids he's leading now in youth, but his children. I want to, I want to, I'm want—I believing, I'm not just hoping, I'm believing that something happens uh, in the life of my kids, in, in the Boom program with Harris, that something of his passion for Jesus would rub off on them, and that would impact their future and the world that I would never reach, right? So that's how goals work. And um, the reason goals are important and the reason you need something to give shape to your life is because um, what Um, philosophers and physicists together would agree one of the most irrefutable laws in the universe so one of them is gravity how many people know that gravity is pretty unavoidable Right? Uh, how many people would like a demonstration? Wakash, B- could you race up to the balcony there? Uh, no, just joking. Uh, gravity is pretty hard to avoid, right? And it's pretty well everywhere you go, you're going to be affected by gravity. But the thing about gravity, it's not that constant. It keeps changing. That different, you know, they question it every now and then. But one of the things that physicists hardly ever question, and in, that, in fact, that Einstein said was the one thing that he didn't question in all of the laws of the universe. Right, was the second law of thermodynamics. How many people know what the second law of thermodynamics is? Yes, uh, the engineers and others among us do. Uh, The second law of thermodynamics is is in its most simplified form, and we'll stay here for the morning, Uh, in its most simplified form, which is the one I understand, uh, is this, that everything in the universe, everything tends towards chaos, disorder, and entropy. Right, So everything... Uh, everything degrades, nothing spontaneously upgrades, right? That's, it's, it's, it's one of the rules of how everything works, right? You know this though, don't you, right? When you leave an apple in the fruit bowl, it doesn't become fresher and crisper and juicier, does it? Well, it does get juicy, right? <laughs> but it's the wrong kind of juicy, right? Because uh, it's tending towards decay. But if you leave an apple on the tree, what happens on the tree, it gets riper and crispier and bigger but off the tree. So the thing what the 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 only thing that cuts against the second law of dynamics is this thing called life. And in fact, it's literally in the universe they would say, that people smarter than me would say, it's the only thing. Nothing else. Everything else tends to be except where life is present. And in fact, the investigations around the universe, the galaxies, are where they're looking for life, do you know what they look for? Is they look for anything that's not degrading. anything that g- They're looking for some evidence that something has, is not breaking down, is not falling apart. Haven't we ever got an old car? So you know all about the second law of thermodynamics, right? It doesn't. How many know you can fix a car, but it doesn't stay fixed, yeah, right? You've got to keep fixing it, right? And that's how that's how life works. Life brings energy into the system. It brings new energy into the system. And, you know, your life, you need to allow the Holy Spirit and you need to, in faith, bring new life into the system. Your life will continue to wind downwards unless you allow the Holy Spirit to break in in life and wisdom and allow it to wind up. Life winds down for people who are not prepared to step out in faith and say, God, Put something new in me. Put some new dream in me. And one of the reasons it's a great idea to be at church on Sunday is that the Holy Spirit speaks in a unique, unique way when we gather together. And he can introduce new thoughts. Introduce life that allows things to grow and allows things to move forward. It's a bit of a re-take on what we did last year, the series of Abide. If we remain in him, if we remain connected to the vine, then we have life and we don't tend downwards. Right? So everyone say Goals. Now goals are important because everything's falling apart. So you need to have a goal to aim at. So you need, so you've got a focus to where you're pushing things and where you're, where the Holy Spirit may be pushing you in terms of into, bringing life into the system. Right? Good, very good. Okay. Um, let's read the Bible. Is that all right? Yeah. Why don't you look at First Timothy chapter six and verse twelve, and then we're going to look at Second Timothy. And these are two sayings of Paul. So if you've got your Bible, grab it open. It might appear on the screen behind me, but it didn't give um, Chanel any prior warning uh, of the scriptures. So anyway, 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, and I encourage you maybe read the whole book of First Timothy and the whole book of 2 Timothy this week because they're just cool. Uh, it says this, just verse 12 just says, Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life to which God has called you. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly onto the eternal life to which God has called called you that's 1st Timothy 6 verse 12 that's 2nd Timothy chapter 4 and we're going to read from verse 5 to 8 Paul carries on now this is Paul's second letter to the same guy and he's carrying on the same he brings the same idea and he says this you should keep a clear mind in every situation don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord Work hard at telling others the good news, and carefully carry out the ministry God has given you, right? Which is what I talked about before. You've got a target to hit. You've got a ministry that God's called you to, right? It's not the ministry. There's this stupid thing called the ministry, which is what I do, which is called preaching, right? But we all have a role, because ministry just means service. There's a way God wants you to serve to change the world, right? Right? So work hard at telling others good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Isn't that cool? So when you go to work, you go to work under this instruction. Come on, fully carry out the ministry God's given you well, it's just my job. No, no, it's a space of service that God's given you. So come on, fully carry it out, right? Fully carry it out. You know, um, if your job is to pray for the city, come on, fully carry that out. If your job is to talk to people on the street about Jesus, come on, fully carry it out. If your job is to, uh, to serve and kids, come on, carry it out fully. If your job is, come on, to reach out to your neighbors, come on, carry it out fully. If you're a mum or a dad, come on, it's a ministry that God has given you. If you're a high school, Come on, carry it out fully. Get the assignments done. Carry out that ministry God has given you. He goes on, verse six, this is the apostle Paul and it's towards the end of his life and he's giving his own testimony. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near, which is a cheery thought, isn't it? Uh, It could be true for all of us, right? I have fought the good fight I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's an awesome testimony, isn't it? At the end of your life, at the end of this guy's life, the Apostle Paul, that he's able to say his. He has fully carried out his ministry. His life has already been poured out as an offering. And then he can say he has fought the good fight. He's finished the race. And now he knows that he's going to get the prize. Not many people go into their last days with that sort of confidence. Not me. I know a lot of good, good people. And when they passed away, they didn't have that same sort of confidence. But I wonder if when I die, what I would like is to be able to say that. I'd like to be able to write a letter to young Alistair, who's leading a church in Ephesus, and say, come on, I've poured out my life. I've paid my price. I've fought my fight. Right? Wouldn't that be a great, isn't that a great way to live? I wonder if we could say that at the end of this week. Come on, I've, this week, I've poured this week out as an offering. I've finished the race of this week. I have fought the good fight of this week. I've fought this battle. I wonder if we could say that at the end of today, at the end of 2016. Could we say, hey, 2016, we poured it out as an offering before the Lord. We didn't waste any of it. We poured the whole lot out as an offering before the Lord. We didn't hold back in any month of the year. We didn't hold back in any week of the year. Imagine if we could say at the end of 2016, for the whole of 2016, we were focused on the goal. We were at least kicking the ball in the right direction. We might not at the end of 2016 be able to celebrate scoring all the goals. But could we celebrate at the end of the year that for the whole year, at least for the whole year, right? Think of junior soccer. At least for the whole year, we were kicking the ball in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you have ever tried to coach the little, little five-year-olds? It's awesome. I used to actually just physically move them. <laughs> and turn, turn them around. <laughs> that way. It was never a problem, though, because the other team was facing the same challenges, right? So for every goal you scored for them, they'd score one for you. So it would always work out. And then, but, you know, I think, I think sometimes in my life, God's trying to turn me around. Because I'm actually kicking the ball in the wrong direction. I'm kicking my own life into smithereens instead of focusing forward on what God has called me to. Is that all right? I've got five points for you this morning. I've got an alarm set in my pocket for 10.15 because I reckon we should get out early since it's a holiday weekend, right? Yeah? Who's with me? Right? Who's confident that I can pull it off? Less people. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, you with me. Alice is like, it's never happened before. I have, I admit, I say this all the time, but anyhow. Sometimes I just get so excited about my own sermons. <laughs> um, okay, so point number one is this. There is going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight. If you think it's a non-contact life, you haven't been a life long, right? If you think that, you know, it's just going to be, you know, um, you, know, you, don't, you know, when you were born, you know, there was not little tags on the side for you to rip off. You know, uh, just last Tuesday, I was at a, 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 like a staff conference in Auckland with all the Equipa staff from around the country and a lot of the Auckland people. And we went to the Auckland church barbecue. Um, so it was all f- three campuses in Auckland all together on Kahoo Bay. It was, it, was, it was actually bigger than I imagined it was going to be. But the awesome thing about it is this. There's a lot of Brazilian people. In the Auckland church, and they know how to barbecue. They make our barbecues look like mud. Literally, they had and they had stacks and stacks of rump steak, and you could see like you could like there was more salt on the steak than there was in Okahu Bay. Like it was like, and then they had these they had char grillers and they grilled they grilled rump steak for like three hours, feeding. It was awesome. Anyhow, that people were playing a game of there was people playing a game of touch rugby. One of those people was Putty Ty who was there. He was playing that game of touch rugby, right? And I decided I was not going to play the game of touch rugby because I'm not stupid, right? Because it doesn't stay touch rugby for very long, right? And the last thing you want to do is get involved in the game of touch rugby that quickly turns into a game of tackle, which then just becomes fighting, right? (laughs) How many people know there's going to be a fight, Right? There's going to be a fight. And so if we're going to get involved, we, we've got to be prepared to have the fight. Right? And Tai was not the biggest person. And I was not prepared to be involved. Right? Because I understand that, you know, although I do need to lose weight, not that much. Right? right? So Timothy's instructed by Paul, come on, to fight the good fight of faith. Paul says at the end of his own life, I have fought the good fight. The reality is this. If we go into 2016 expecting more summer holidays in the spirit, if we go into 2016 expecting, well, everything's just going to fall into place like Pollyanna. It's all just going to be magical and mystical, and, and the Holy Spirit's just going to sprinkle fairy dust on us, and we'll get to the ball, and we'll meet Prince Charming. The reality is it's not like that. You don't live in a fairy story. You live in the real world. And in the real world, we are called to fight. We are called to fight a fight for the good faith. There's enemies that are working against us. When Paul wrote to Timothy, the reason he was instructing Timothy to fight for the true faith was because there were leaders in the church who were trying to teach people the wrong thing. And Timothy had to stand up in this church and tell them, no, that's wrong. This is the goal. This is the truth. And in your own life, come on, there are things at work trying to push you back from your destiny, trying to bring you down. And if nothing, if, Even if there's nothing more than just the universe, the second law of thermodynamics, you're going down. Even if nothing bad happens, You're still on the way down unless you fight, right? Unless you push in, unless you hear something powerful, unless you reach out for something good. There's going to be a fight. The question is, are you going to run at it or is it going to run at you? Greatest cricket player ever. No, batsman. One of the greatest batsmen. Reinvented the game. Brendan McCullum. All he did was go at the game. He's actually changed the way every other team in the world plays cricket. In what? In 18 months. He's changed the whole way cricket gets played, right? Why? Because instead of, instead of letting the game happen and reacting to it, he just goes at the game. And you know what? He loses as many games as he wins, but he has way more fun than anybody else, right? And the reality is we might <coughs> get to the end of the year having not been 100% successful, Having not everything go our way, but let's get to the end of the year, having taken it to the fight, having run at the battle, having seen God some good happen. You know, come on, in your finances, in all of your relationships, in your behavior, in your lifestyle, in your work environments, in your parenting, these are all areas and arenas where the enemy was want to bring you down. Come on, the famous passage in the Bible, John chapter 10, verse 10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus has come that we would have life and life in all of its fullness. So in our mind, we've got to understand that life and life of all of its fullness, steal, kill, and destroy, this whole thing Jesus is talking about is all within the context of conflict. The devil's coming at you to steal, kill, and destroy. And in that same space, Jesus is coming at you to bring you life and a fullness and blessing. Can you see? Sometimes we just think, oh, the devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but it doesn't matter. We can just forget about that. Now, uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is how we Christianize it. We fairy Godmother Jesus, right? We put wings on him and make him a little rotund fairy. And we, uh, uh, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. No, he's come into the battle. He's come into the space where the enemy was stealing and he's come to bring life. He's come into the space where the enemy is robbing us and he's coming to bring that sort of a breakthrough. So this, this, this morning, let's fight the good fight. Come on, this week, let's fight the good fight. Don't think about the whole year if you can't. Come on, this week, what are some battles that you could run at instead of having them run at you? Is that all right? I mean, next point. (laughs) Next point is point number two. And if if there's going to be a fight, we should fight on purpose. It really is easy to bumble through life. Well, it's not easy. It's a hard way to live. But it's easier to slip into the bumbling through state, right? Right? actually you can slip into any at any stage when things change you can slip into just reacting so what i've found is throughout life when when things get one stage more complicated you just have to react to it and then you can get trapped into a reacting to phase right it happens when you first start going out or you first get married and your life gets a bit more complex and you just react to things now, if you don't stop and figure it out and fight the battle of how do we make this work, you'll just keep reacting to things and you'll just be bumbling along and things will be slapping you and you won't know what's going on, right? And it's the same when you first have kids. When you first have, when you have first kids, right, when you first have kids, um, it's, your life gets, you know, again, just one stage more complex or your job, might, you might get a promotion, it gets one stage more complex, which puts pressure everywhere else. And you've got to fight it through in that new stage, Rather than just reacting, do you get what I mean? I, I, I would like to be able to explain it better, but I can't. But you, any stage in that process, and I know for me in 2015, in the middle of the year, I suddenly realized, oh man, I'm just reacting to stuff that's happening. I need to get my head down and figure out what's going on and push it through because you know our kids are. Maddie's turning into teenagers, off to high school. Our youngest is going to primary school. Like things are busier, right? And things are more complex. And and I'd realize I've got to snap out of just bumbling through, allowing things to roll around and roll around and roll, and I've got to get on the front foot. I've got to step out of the crease and get ready for the delivery and face the challenges that God's bringing. Otherwise, you just keep getting pushed back, right? I just don't think, I do not think we'll get where God has called us if we just drift in the tide. Do you know what? You'll get somewhere. You will get somewhere just drifting in the tide of life, making this decision and then drifting into that decision. Yeah, but I don't know if you'll get where God's called you to. Um, the Apostle Paul said, Not that I've already attained, but I eagerly press on that I may lay hold of the Old Translation says, the upward call of Christ. Now, I don't think we get to lay hold of the upward call of Christ if we're just wandering around. You know, I just, I eagerly drift in on the tide and then out on the tide. And I drift in on the tide and I drift out on the tide that I might one day drift into the plan and the purposes of God. Like, I don't think that's quite how it's going to work. And it's definitely not our vision of, of how, God, how God works. It's not, not our theology as a church. We're arrows prepared by God pulled to be pulled back in His boat and fired into our destiny, right? We're not, we're, we're not sticks. Now, how many of you know an arrow looks a bit like a stick? And an arrow just floating on the tide is just a stick. Right, and we can either live like driftwood, or we can say, "No, I'm going to be one of these equipers' arrows that God prepares a straight, a straight arrow with, with with feathers, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, with a sharpness of spirit, and a, and a weight of integrity, so that when God fires me, I hit the mark and I make the impact that He's called me to." In First in Corinthians chapter nine, if you want to look that up for us as well, Chanel, now. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four. Have a read of this. And this is Paul again, and if you read right through Paul, he's, he's full of this sort of stuff, particularly when he's writing to leaders. But this, in this case, he's writing to a, uh, one of the churches, and he says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone is running? Right, except, in, except if it's like a third-form cross-country. <laughs> <laughs> How many people were not running? Yeah, a lot of hands, a lot of hands down. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone except the girls is run? no? <laughs> Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win, right? All the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So, he's talking about his own life now. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I love that little phrase. It just jumped out at me as I was reading it. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing, but I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I reckon that's a powerful word. I run with purpose in every step. That'd be a good plan for 2016. I'm going to run with purpose in every step. Make decisions based on purpose. Make decisions with focus. That'd be a pretty focused life, right? Do you know, um, I, I'm not a big fan of combat sports. Um, but they're becoming more and more popular. I, I, I like watching the odd bo- boxing match or whatever, and I have seen all the Karate Kid movies. <laughs> but, um, do you know, the little bits of, um, of UFC or MMA that I've watched... Um, there's a lot of cool videos. Um, I've watched a lot of the training videos because I'm interested in that sort of thing. And it just, it just like some of the training that they do. I don't know if you've seen even the same with American Ninja Warrior, same sort of training, right? The, the training that they do for UFC is just, um, just amazing, right? But if you think about it, it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Right? You know, so like if you're, you know, if you're training to for almost any other sport, like you're training for cricket or even if you're training for rugby, right? You're training so you don't get hurt as a big part of your training, right? But also so you can achieve the goals you want. But for UFC, they're training so that their arms don't get ripped off, right? They're training so that accidentally in the ring, their leg is not torn completely so that they're completely maimed. And I wonder if we would approach our own training with that same sense of purpose, that said, I'm, I'm, I'm not just training to be a better Christian. But I'm training because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? I'm training to break through. I reckon that would be awesome. There's a cool story. There's a cool story. in um, uh, You should read it this week. First Samuel 14, verse 1 to 15. I, I won't read it all for the sake of time. Um, but uh, Jonathan, who's one of the, the Saul's sons, is with his armor bearer, who's like his, his right-hand man, that's like Batman, Robin type of thing. And um, there, there's a, they're in this situation, and it's exactly what I'm talking about. There's, there's an army who's waiting, waiting, there's an army that's about to attack them. And the Israelite army are waiting. They're waiting for the oncoming attack, right? Oh, it's bad, right? We're, but they're waiting. And then Jonathan's like getting frustrated, and he says to his armor bearer, come on, let's go up and get these guys. So they make this plan. They say, let's call out. So they'll call out to the watchtower, uh, the, the watch area where, where the, 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 the enemy is keeping guard. And if they say to us, come up here, and we'll, uh, then we'll go up. And if they say, come down, we'll come down to you, then we won't, right? So, so they have a pretty tenuous, a pretty weak sort of a plan, right? And, and then they, they just say, come on, God can save by by, by by few or by many, right? By few or many. Anyway, the, the armor bearer says, yeah, let's do it. And so they go. They make themselves visible to the enemy. And the enemy soldier's are like, what are you two doing? Come up here and we'll teach you a lesson, right? So they're like, come on, let's go. So they, it says they climb up the hill on their hands and knees, which is not a great way to approach a battle, especially if you're fighting with a sword and you're crawling. They climb up the hill on their hands and knees. They jump up the top. And then Jonathan knocks them all down. So Jonathan runs at the first one, knocks them down. The armor bearer comes behind and kills them. And then Jonathan runs to the next one, knocks him down the army, comes behind and kills him, right, which is a pretty simple plan, right? Um, it, I guess it's not a plan. It just happened. Uh, and, um, they just, and they, they kill about, about 20 guys or 12, between 12 and 20 guys. I'd have to read it again to know the details. They kill just a handful of guys anyway on the top of this hill. And then God sees it. It says God sees what they're doing. And there's a massive earthquake. This massive earthquake then frightens the whole army. So they take this one action, then God comes in behind the action. And there's a bit of a principle of faith there. When we run at the battle, we're not running just in our own strength. We know that God's going to come behind us when, we, when, he, when we've heard him speak, right? They run at the battle, and there's, there's this massive breakthrough. And in, in the end, the whole Israel army hear what's going on, and they join in as well. And they chase the enemy right out of their territory. That would be a great goal, wouldn't it? To chase, see the enemy chased out of your money, chased out of your your um, family. to so see the enemy chased out of our city. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? But it starts with this. This one guy has an idea. This other person agrees, and then they push out into it, right? Right? And there, there's a sense of purpose in that that says, "Hey, but I'm not going to just sit here and wait. Well, there's a battle, and when it happens, I'm going to be ready. No, come on, let's push out and fight, right?" So it brings me to point number three, which is that we've got to fight with a team. Jonathan said something interesting. He said to his armor bearer, God can save by few or by many. But he didn't say this. He didn't say God can save with one. It still needs a few. Actually, the Bible talks about a few a lot. God works with the remnant of Israel. And then Jesus said a similar thing. He said, we're neither two or more. Of you are gathered in my name, then I'm there with you in the midst. When you gather and when you, uh, when, if two or more agree, Jesus said, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever we bind in heaven, we'll be bound, loose on earth will be loose in heaven, right? That's what he said, right? So you've got to fight with a team, right? Everyone wants to be Bruce Lee. Right? There's this in our mindset and in our mentality, you've got to understand uh, we come from a culture, particularly European Western culture. We come from a culture that glorifies individual breakthrough, right? So even in New Zealand, some of our heroes of sport are still the individualist. Like with John Walker running lone, you know, these, those other uh, Lovegrove, these, they're, they're heroes of sport because, they, because of what they, they did on their own, right? That's part of our hero thing, right? You don't know who I'm talking about, do you? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, right? And these these iconic images of, of New Zealand heroes, uh, uh, John Walker with his hair in 1984, winning 1,500 meters, right? Gold medals, right? That's pretty awesome, right? Right? But we've got to understand, and, and my culture has got this thing about, come on, uh, you've got to break in your own land, and you've got to make your own money, and you've got to push it all through and see, you know, you've got to be the self-made man, the self-made person, right? But in the kingdom of God, it's just not like that. The kingdom of God operates much more like more traditional family cultures. It says, if we don't all succeed, then no one succeeds. We all travel together. And the reality is, the, the reality of what a church is, if if you read it in Ephesians, there's a couple of different pictures of it, but uh, It's a family in one sense. It talks about the family of God. And in another sense in Ephesians, it talks about the army of God. And if you put those two pictures together, you get a wonderful mesh of ideas. If you think family and army together, you've got a great picture of how church functions at a relational level, how we function together. There's other images like the bride of Christ, which talk about a relationship to Jesus. But in terms of our relationship to each other, we're family and we're army Right? And some of you are more family, right? Some of you are more family, but I'm definitely more army, right? But, and, and we mesh together family and army, and it creates. I reckon that's one of the most powerful pictures of human unity that you could put together. If, where the family you've got and the army you've got, if you, if you, if you actually overlay that together, there's strength and there's, there's power right? But there's a fierceness of loyalty and family that's not even found in the army. There's a love and concern in family that would only make the army stronger, right? But there's a discipline in the army that prevents the family from being dysfunctional, right? Because we don't want to be a dysfunctional family of God, and we don't want to be a hard and harsh army of God. But if we can put those two together, that's who we are as the team, right? Don't you reckon that's good? I love the armor bearer says, this is a quote, what the armor bearer says. The, Jonathan says to the armor bearer, this ludicrous plan. We're going to go up there, and if they say that, we'll, we'll, we'll just go. And then Jonathan says, this is his, the strength of his argument comes down to this. Perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. Like just, maybe it will be good, Right? Jonathan would literally, Jonathan literally would rather die in battle than sit there waiting, was literally where it got to you. This, this is a frustrated person, right? Yeah. And this is what the armor bearer says back. Do what you think is best. I am with you completely. Whatever you decide. I am do what you think is best. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. That's the power of team, isn't it? When you've got an idea, don't you want some people to come behind you and say, come on. You do what you think is best. We, you know, if you prayed about it, I'm going to pray with you and believe. Don't you reckon that's what you want, people in your corner like that? I reckon that's what you want. Um, we need to fight. So I said a bunch of things, right? We need to fight with the team. But number four, we need to fight with some weapons. How many people have seen, uh, I love that, uh, great scene from my child in Crocodile dundee uh, where he's in, he's in New York and he gets attacked by a gangster in a red leather jacket. And the gangster's got a little, a little, a little flick knife like Pachy! he'll flick knife and the uh, crocodile he says the gangster says to the crocodile dundee uh you give me a jacket because he's got this cool crocodile skin jacket which would be frowned on these days but uh <laughs> actually everything from the 80s would be frowned on these days the um and uh what did crocodile Dundee says no i'm not giving you my jacket and the, the girl says just give him a jacket he's got a knife <laughs> yeah. he, and crocodile Dundee's like that He's got. A, that's not a knife this is a knife, and he pulls out like a whole, like a machete, like a barang. And he's like, "This is a knife," and then just starts waving it around in a crocodile-ditty fashion. And the gangster just runs away in his red leather jacket. Do you know? In, in reality, we're much more like the gangster with the little knife. <laughs> Actually, we spend we probably, if you did an honest assessment of your of your life, you're going into tomorrow pretty well underdressed. You're sort of racing into the battle in your underpants. Yay, we're going to win. Yeah, actually, the weather's going to get you before the enemy has to, right? Because you're pretty underprepared. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6 together. This is what it says, verse 10. A final word, back into the whole of Ephesians. He just says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So that's one thing. That's one thing we can be. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. This is put on All of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Right? So there's quite a lot going on. So put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground and put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. Shoes put on the peace that comes from the gospel so that you be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the enemy and put on salvation as your helmet. And then take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, be persistent. In your prayers for all believers everywhere. Put on the whole armor of God. Isn't it? It's an awesome picture, isn't it? So you've got shoes, you've got a helmet, you've got a breastplate, you've got um, uh, a shield, right? These are all defensive weapons, as such, or defensive armor, right? Shoes are actually pretty important for getting somewhere. You know, you might not, you know, you think bare feet will get you so far, but it's not very far. Uh, armies marching on bare feet don't travel as well as those in shoes. And one of the Roman soldiers, one of the reasons the Roman legions were so strong was because they had better sandals, right? And shoes are pretty important technology, right? Um, so you got shoes and you've you the helmet of salvation. You've got a breastplate of God's righteousness to protect you. You've got this, a faith that puts out the fiery darts, right? So uh, most of the time I've got a faith that embraces doubt, rather than a faith that puts out doubt. How many people know what I mean? Like we we mostly, our faith gets put out by doubt, rather than our faith putting doubt out. Yeah? And uh, and then at the last of all, you've got the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I just wonder, like the Word of God, the Word of God that you carry, like you could carry this around, like we did in the old days. For some reason, you have to carry a Bible like that. Right? Some people had Bibles big enough they needed backpack straps on them, right? But the reality is you can carry this around, but that's not your sword. The Word of God is your sword. How much of this do you actually carry here? How much of this have you Have you got a flick knife or do you have a proper sort of sword? Do you, you, know, do you understand enough of this? Do you have you read it? Do you study it now yeah, the reality is we can do we can do a bit of preaching on a Sunday and then next this year so we 're already in next year this year we 're going to do some Monday night training courses where you can get trained up, but we can 't actually train you you 've got to go to those things and get trained. The Holy Spirit has to equip you. Maybe you need to go to Bible college for six months and learn. But you could definitely look at, do some of your own study in it, right? You can definitely come when we offer some of the Bible college courses on a Monday night. But I really think that all of us could embrace the Word of God in a really powerful way this year and say, I'm going to carry this with me. Easy enough to read read a psalm a day and there'll be something that speaks to you. I can almost guarantee it. Read the psalm. I always just read the psalm of the day, It's like the 24th today. So what did I read? Psalm 24, right? right. You can just read the Psalm today and something will speak to you. I don't have my journal here. I'll tell you what I wrote down. But something will speak to you. Read a little bit. And then you carry that with you as a weapon in your day, right? That's one thing, devotional reading. But the other thing is to study it. You actually need to know what the whole thing says from the start to the finish. You need to know what it means from the start to the finish. You need need to know that when you you watch something on Christian TV, you can say, actually, that's ridiculous because I've actually read this, which not all of those people on the TV have, right? Or they have read it and they haven't read the bit that says the people who make up stuff like that are going to be in big trouble, right? The reality is we, that's where we really, you really do need to know this. You need to know if you're in business, you need to know all about what this says about business. If you're a dad, you need to know all about what this says about uh, family. If, if you're married, you need to know everything this says about marriage relationships. If if you're uh, anything else, a lawyer, what does this say about justice and break, you know, and society? Come on, we've got this is our weapon. This is actually our only offensive weapon, and one of our two. This one and the next thing he says is to pray at all times. And could I just challenge you this year? Get a hold of this. Not in your hand, in your heart. Get a hold of the Word of God. Begin it. It it will take the rest of your life. Begin today to get a hold of the Word of God. I'm going to get a hold of this thing, the the sword of the Spirit. Do I get an amen? Amen. And then the second thing is you've got to pray. We've got to pray, and I don't know. I wasn't in the prayer meeting this morning because I'm sole parenting this weekend, which is a great thing to come to church and can send the kids off to the program. Woo, get a little bit of time to myself. I Facebook messaged Chrissy yesterday. She's at a wedding in um, Australia. Our oldest niece is getting married, and I, we sent a delegation of, uh, of the better-looking members of the family, uh, and uh, and um, Chrissy and Maddie, and um, I Facebooked Chris the other day and because I've left her at home with all the kids for up to two and a half weeks without a second thought. <laughs> and, and I'm prepared to admit that. And I just messaged her. I said, oh, I've got so much respect for the challenge. Our, the kids yesterday, they'll behave perfectly, but just the intensity of three loud mouths, four loud mouths if you count me as well, in the one house, right? Uh, it was intense, right? And I just thought, wow, that's a fight. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a challenge. Very good. Last one. Uh, this is it. We've got to fight to the death. Don't we? It's a fight to the death. The devil's come to, coming to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the devil. That's the aim of the. That's the aim of the evil forces of the universe. Is the devil himself, God's great enemy. His his goal, his purpose, his single focus is to destroy you, and to 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 steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy your heritage. I've always i always always laughed at it, steal, kill, and destroy. Like after you've killed someone, how do you then destroy them? Uh, and, but the destroy thing speaks to heritage. So, the devil has a plan to steal from me, to, to, to ruin my life, but also to ruin the lives of my children and the, and the things that I would establish in the earth that would be for God's glory. And the reality is, that's the plan of the enemy. And we've got to understand that. And the Bible says, not be outwitted by the schemes of the enemy and to fight with some real understanding that, hey, this is a fight to the death. It's a fight to the death. If, 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 you, if we've scheduled like a church event in six weeks' time, and we're going to get an octagon in here, right? Right? And we're going to pair everybody up in weight classes, and we're going to fight like UFC. How are you going to train? If it's a fight to the death, how are you going to prepare? Well, you know, I'm actually it's raining, so I'm not going to go jogging today. Well, you know, is it worth getting a little bit wet in the rain and not having putty rip your arms off, right? Now, the, can, can you understand the mentality? I think we've got a, we've got a, a tiddlywinks mentality to our, just, just our spiritual growth and discipleship. Oh, I, know, I know that in my mind, that, that tiddlywinks mentality slips in all the time. Oh, it doesn't really matter. No, it really matters. It really matters that we're prepared. It really matters that we're ready to fight. It really matters that we're breaking through because it's a fight to the death. Are we prepared to fight like that? What do we reckon? A bit of a challenge this morning? With this, this, you know, this week and next week, we want, we're trying to set up our year so we've got some focus. So we know where we're going, and then in February the fight really begins, right? In February we're fasting, the Daniel fast. How many people love the Daniel fast? I love it because it's a healthier way to eat, Um, but I also love it because every single year God speaks to me in a powerful way. Um, And uh, with the Daniel fast, what we do for 21 days um, is you can do. uh, We're going to fast, and what. Actual Daniel fast is, is basically you, you eat like a, ve- a vegan diet, so you eat like what Daniel ate in Babylon. If so you read the book of Daniel, you read his story and what how he chose to eat a certain way, and God really broke through. And so, we're just copying that for a bit of fun. Uh, but we, what we're doing really is saying, Hey, for a month as a whole church, let's eat differently in a way that changes us and shakes up our thinking and that focuses us, us in on God's purposes, right? So, all you've got to do is exclude meat, dairy. Bread, okay, some people are like, oh, that's all I, uh, and sugar, and um, wait for it, du, 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 caffeine. Uh, and if you're wise, like I was last year, you would wean yourself off caffeine. If you're foolish, like it was the year before, you'll have 10 coffees one day and none the next day. Uh, and um, But I don't know anyone who's done the Daniel Fast and regretted it. I do know lots of people who've done a half- high job of it and then thought oh, i probably should have done a better job of it so if i could just encourage you dive in the deep end of it uh, from next week onwards we'll have a bit of information on a little flyer we print out that can help you but actually googling it it's like a pretty big thing um since saddleback jumped on the daniel plan thing there's heaps more recipes available and stuff like that as well it's pretty easy to eat like that now um is that cool but the whole reason we're fasting is because we're leaving for God for breakthrough. We want to sharpen up our spiritual muscle, sharpen up our spiritual appetite rather than just our physical appetite, and get a hold of God in a new way. Amen? Through the whole month of February as well, John and I are going to be preaching about demons. So it's going to be awesome too. Uh, so, how many of you know that could be a recipe for disaster? Uh, and I already reckon it's going to be awesome. So, we're going to be praying and fasting and seeking God, and we're going to be talking about demons like lust, greed, I uh, can't remember any other ones. Uh, bitterness, pride. Last, we'll do three times. Last. Uh, <laughs> sorry? Envy. I don't know if it's in there. I don't know, maybe. It might not be in the book that we're copying, but anyhow, it's going to be good. Got <laughs> and so it's going to be, the series is going to be called um, Truly Free or Free Indeed. And, but the, the, I am really believing it's going to be a month of breakthrough. How many people are up for a month of breakthrough? Yeah? Do you know what I'm doing? I'm starting the Daniel Fast Diet now, apart from the caffeine. I'm saving it up for the actual day. Uh, because I'm, I'm really b- believing and praying that it's going to be a real month of breakthrough. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads, let's pray.